0: We've studied the consequences of the fall and how it affected mankind and the world, but we haven't studied the story itself. So, tonight that's what we're going to do. We're going to study the story itself, the story of how Adam and Eve sinned. So, if you would, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse number 1. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, after God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden now we don't know for sure how long adam and eve were in the garden of eden before they fell but we do know that it wasn't very long and let me explain how we know that in fact let me give you the reasons why most scholars believe that they actually fell on the sabbath on the 7th day in fact what's interesting if you remember adam and eve were created at the end of the 6th day And on the seventh day, God rested. So most scholars believe Adam and Eve fell on the seventh day, on the Sabbath. And let me give you the reasons why they believe that. First of all, we know that Satan doesn't let man alone for very long unless he already controls that individual and there's no fight to get him. Secondly, the story of the creation of man and of his fall continues without a break or without any time element between them, which indicates that they followed each other in close succession. Number three, we have on record that God rested on the seventh day after he finished creating the world. We find that in chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And then we're told in verse number 8 of chapter 3, that after Adam and Eve sinned, God was walking in the garden at the cool of the day. And the Jews believe, in fact, the majority of Jewish rabbis teach that the reason that God was not present when Adam and Eve were tempted was because he was resting. It was the Sabbath. But when the sun set and the Sabbath ended, God came walking in the cool of the day. Now, the cool of the day for the Jews is even either in the evening or in the very early morning. Number four. Adam and Eve hadn't been in the garden long enough to visit and to eat from the tree of life. If you remember, after Adam and Eve sinned, they were driven out of the Garden of Eden. And the reason they were driven out of the Garden of Eden is because God did not want them eating of the tree of life and living forever in their sinful state. So they hadn't been in the Garden of Eden long enough to eat of that tree. Number five, both the tree of life... And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil were shown to Adam and Eve so they could distinguish them from all of the other trees. The fact that they went to the tree of knowledge first indicated that they were curious. They were curious as to why it was so different from the others. But they hadn't had enough time to eat of the tree of life, let alone go there. And last but not least, Adam and Eve fell before they had sex and Eve conceived. We know that because if Eve had conceived before they had sinned, their first child would not have had or would not have been born with the sin nature. You see, the Adamic nature is passed on genetically. Turn to the book of Psalms, chapter 51, verse number 5. Notice what David writes. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. Now, the majority of scholars think, that when Adam and Eve were created, you know, they were created as perfect beings. So they wouldn't have had any trouble conceiving. And had Adam and Eve had sex, and they would have probably conceived on the very first attempt. And yet we know that their first child was not born perfect. They were born with original sin. They were born with the sin nature, the Adamic nature. Now, if Adam was a normal man, and God joined them at the end of the sixth day... How long do you think Adam would have waited before? He wanted to consummate the marriage. And that's why theologians believe that there wasn't a long period of time between the time Adam and Eve were created to the time that they sinned. In fact, the majority of scholars believe that Adam and Eve sinned on the seventh day. In other words, less than 24 hours after they were created. In fact, they actually sinned on the seventh day while God was resting. And it makes perfect sense even if you don't agree with all of the reasons. So you don't have to come up to me and say, you know, Pastor Allen, I don't believe in, in reason number two and reason number four. Well, that doesn't matter. I'm just giving you the reason that the majority of scholars believe that. You don't have to agree with it, but you know it kind of makes sense. When you start putting this together, it's pretty, it makes pretty much sense that they didn't go too long until they sinned. Now, I want you to notice that Satan used the serpent to tempt Eve. In fact, the Bible says that the serpent was the most subtle, or actually was more subtle than any other beast in the field. The word subtle is translated from the Hebrew word arum, which means shrewd or crafty. And that's probably why the devil chose to use the serpent. Now, remember, Demonic spirits have the ability under certain conditions to possess human bodies and the bodies of animals. In fact, if you turn to the book of Luke, the 8th chapter, verse number 33, I'm going to give you an example of a demon possessing a human body and then also going and possessing animal an animal body. So look with me, if you would, in the book of Luke, chapter 8, verse 33. It says, And the demons, their legion, there were many of them, came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the entire herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned. Demons had possessed this man. But when they were cast out of him by Jesus, they entered into some of the pigs. Now, it seems to imply, if you read this in English, that they entered into all of the pigs. But when you read this in the Greek, it just says plural. They entered into some of the pigs' bodies, but that caused the whole herd of swine to panic, and they ran down the steep incline and into the lake and they drowned. So Satan possessed the body of the snake in order to tempt Eve. Now, I don't know about you, but if a snake started speaking to me, I would be on guard because snakes don't speak. Something freaky's going on. This must be a snake that's possessed by a demon or Satan. But you know what? There's another reason why most scholars believe that Adam and Eve sinned. Within 24 hours of being created. Because Eve did not think that it was strange that a snake was speaking. But think about it. Think about this. If you've been on the earth for less than 24 hours and everything was brand new. You wouldn't know whether this is strange or not. Maybe this is normal. Maybe it's normal for snakes to speak. But when this snake starts speaking, Eve doesn't think anything strange about it. But this also explains why she wasn't freaked out. She hadn't been on the earth that long. I mean, you know, possibly this was less than 24 hours. So she didn't suspect anything. Maybe this is the way God created to be. So Satan possessed the body of the snake in order to tempt Eve. Now, have you ever wondered why Satan chose to tempt Eve first rather than Adam? Anyone? Anyone ever wondered that? Well, let me explain why he did that, or at least why the majority of theologians believe that he did that. Had the serpent tipped at Adam first and succeeded, and then Adam persuaded Eve to sin, to partake of the forbidden fruit, Eve would have had an excuse for sinning. She could have justified her actions by claiming that she was only being in submission to her husband when she disobeyed God. So Satan chose to go after Eve first. That way, no one could have an excuse, at least not a legitimate excuse. But can you see what I'm saying there? Now, let's look at the method that Satan used to tempt Eve because it's very interesting. First thing that he did was he threw Eve off guard by feigning ignorance. Look at the last part of verse number 1. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now, I'm going to come back to that in a minute. But the first thing that I want you to see is he kind of threw her off guard by feigning ignorance. We're going to find out why he did that when we look at the second thing he did. Secondly, he stroked her vanity by giving her an opportunity to correct him and instruct him. I want you to notice how how he asked this question because he asked this question in such a way that it seemed innocent, but at the same time, He purposely played dumb so she could feel smart by correcting him and also by instructing him. Let me read this out of the NLT. He asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat of the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Now, he knew that that wasn't right. He was just playing dumb so that she could feel superior. She would feel superior when she said, no, 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 that's not what God said. Let me tell you what God said. So now she can be the instructor. Thirdly, he used the term Elohim for God instead of Jehovah to insinuate that God was aloof and uncaring about his creation. You see, the title Elohim means ruler or judge. Jehovah, on the other hand, is the name that God revealed to Israel as part of his covenant with them. When we think of God as being our provider, what do we say? God is Jehovah Jireh. He is the Lord, our provider. But the only reason He's our provider is because we're in covenant with Him. When we think about Him being our victory, we say that He is jehovah Nisai. He is our conqueror. But the only reason He's our conqueror, He's our, our victory, is because we have a covenant with Him. When we say... But he is Jehovah Kanu. He is our righteousness. That's what that means. Jehovah Kanu means Jehovah our righteousness. But the reason he's our righteousness is because we have a covenant with him. We never say Elohim to We never say Elohim. What? Any of the others? Makedesh? Rohai? Rafa? We don't ever say any of those. Why do we not say that? Because Elohim does not insinuate a covenant relationship. Jehovah is the intimate name that God has given to us to signify that he's in a relationship with us. So by using the term Elohim to refer to God, instead of Jehovah, Satan is implying that God is an uncaring ruler or judge Over his creation. That Adam and Eve don't really have a true relationship with him. If they had a true relationship with him. Then they would know him as Jehovah. But they don't. He's Elohim to them. Fourthly. Satan raised doubt in Eve's mind. He told her you won't die. Look at verse number four. You won't die. The serpent replied to the woman. So you've got God on one side saying that if you eat of the forbidden fruit you're going to die. You've got Satan on the other side saying, you won't die if you eat of the fruit of the tree. And then to seal the deal. Satan told her that the reason God didn't want her to eat of the tree was because God didn't want her to become like him. In other words, God was trying to hold her back. God was not allowing her to become all that she could be. I want you to look at verse number 5. Says, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Now, who wouldn't want to be like God? And Satan knows that. First, he played on her vanity. You know, I really don't know this. Let me play dumb. You can correct me. You can also instruct me. And then when she's feeling pretty good about herself, he starts raising this doubt, starts putting all these things in her mind. And finally, he comes to the point and says, well, you know what? God just doesn't want you to be all that you can be. He just doesn't want you to be like him. He wants to keep you down. And we kind of see that inside our society today. You know, there are some people that want you to do well, but they don't want you to do as well as them. They want to help you to succeed, you just don't succeed more than them. And that was the implication that Satan was giving to Eve. You know, God wants you to have good things, but he doesn't want you to be like him at all. Now, I want you to look at Eve's reaction. Let's study this and see how she reacts to Satan's methods of tempting her. Because I want you to see how basically she fell into his trap. Let's go back to the very first thing that Satan did. What was the first thing that Satan did? He played dumb. He played dumb. He said, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Now, I want you to notice Eve's reply in verses 2 and 3. Of course we may eat from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. Duh! It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, You must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, You will die. Now, did you notice what Eve did there? Anyone? She said they weren't even supposed to touch the tree. And people, that's not true. God never said that. God didn't say they couldn't touch the tree. In fact, their job was to keep the garden. That meant that they had to prune all the branches. They were supposed to pick up maybe the fruit that didn't... Uh, get eaten or whatever the case uh, it was, that their job was to come in and that included the tree of life and it also included the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so God didn't say they couldn't touch that. Eve added that, which is very revealing. You see, by exaggerating what God had said, she's making his command seem harsher than it really was, which reveals what's really in her heart she's irritated that she's forbidden to eat from this tree now notice what she said we can't eat the fruit of the tree we can't even touch it now I want you to think about this whenever you're irritated over something what do you do you exaggerate how bad it is yeah it's human nature to do that it's human nature To exaggerate how bad something really is if we don't like it. If someone says something that ticks you off, what do you normally do? You go home and you tell your husband or you tell your wife. And let's just be honest, you exaggerate it. You exaggerate the the way they said it. You exaggerate what was happening in the office. We just do that. We have the tendency to make it look worse than it really is. And that's exactly what she did. She said, you know, we're not supposed to eat of the fruit And we're not supposed to even touch it. Now, once Eve does that, Satan knows he's got her. That's why Satan went for the kill. At that point, he can attack God without Eve becoming defensive. Now, what I want to do is I want to read verses 1 through 5... And I want to show you how Satan manipulated Eve to get her where he wanted her to be. And I want you to notice how she responds to all of this. So let's start with verse number 1. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day, he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Now here he is. He's feigning ignorance. He's stroking her vanity. He's going to allow her to correct him, to instruct him, so she can feel superior. Yeah, she knows so much more. Lowly snake, you are not like us. We have dominion. This is why God created us to have dominion. Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it. Or even touch it if you do, you will die. Now, here she is, she's irritated, so she's exaggerating to make it seem worse than it really is. God didn't say she couldn't touch it, she's exaggerating because she doesn't like it. So, at this point, Satan knows he has her and he goes in for the kill. You won't die. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be just like him. You will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Now, I want you to notice how he was able to attack God's credibility and God's character without Eve becoming defensive. Satan knows how to manipulate us. He knows how. To get us to be irritated, for us to work ourselves up into this irritation that we have. And before we know it, man, God's just not right to ask us to do this. He's not right to ask me to forgive. He's not right to ask me to love. He's not right to ask me to pray for those that curse me or to do good unto those who are mean to me. That's what he's doing. Now, I want you to see that there's really a good lesson in this for us. And I'm gonna show you what this lesson is because every one of us are prone to do exactly what Eve did in this situation and that God comes in and he tempts us the very same way and we fall the very same way and I'm gonna show you something that you probably have never seen before but if you'll learn this lesson I promise you it will save you a lot of heartache are you with me turn with me if you would to the book of Matthew the 12th chapter verse number 34 And all I'm going to do is I'm going to read the last part of this verse. Because that's what we're going to focus in on. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. How many of you have that memorized? How many of you can say that? Oh, I know there's more than just me. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth. Yeah, you say that all the time. In other words, there is a direct link between your heart and your mouth. If you're upset you say mean, hateful, hurtful things. Yep. If you're bitter, you say sarcastic, cutting things. If you're happy or you're pleased, you say nice things. You see, it's human nature to verbalize what we feel or what we think on the inside. And that's what Jesus meant when he said, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Now, some of you are wise and you've learned to bite your tongue. You've learned to keep your mouth shut and not verbalize what you really think or what you really feel on the inside. Right? People, that's smart. That's wise to do. Look at what Proverbs chapter 21 verse number 23 says. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. The majority of the time, we get ourselves in trouble because we say things we shouldn't say. Listen to what he's telling us. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. But how many of you would agree with me that that's hard to do? Yeah, Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. It's human nature to verbalize what we feel or think on the inside. And some of us, we don't just verbalize it, we show it on our face. We show it through our body language. Now, I want to show you something else that Jesus said that goes right along with this. But most of us never make the connection. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Mark, the 7th chapter, verse number 15. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. What comes from your heart? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. What comes comes from the heart? The things we say. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. Now, I'm going to show you something that we normally don't connect. Because most of us think this. We we go to that garbage in, garbage out type of thing, and it's so true. You know, if if we watch all of these things on TV that we shouldn't watch, if we get on the internet, we go to sites that we shouldn't go to, we're around people that we shouldn't be around, then let's be honest, that gets inside of us and it's going to come out. Jesus is telling us that too. But I I want to focus in on what he's actually saying. He's saying, it's not what goes into your body that defiles you. It's not what you eat. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. Now, I don't know if you caught caught what Jesus is trying to say here, but it's very deep. What Jesus is saying is this, that the connection between the heart and the mouth is a two-way street. Let me say that again. The connection between the heart and the mouth is a two-way street. In other words, my heart affects the words that I speak, the words that come out of my mouth. But at the same time, the words that come out of my mouth affect my heart. It's a two-way street. Let me say that again. My heart affects the words that come out of my mouth, but at the same time, the words that come out of my mouth affect my heart. It's a two-way street. Now, I'm going to give you an example to illustrate what Jesus was talking about. Let's say that you get angry, you get mad, so out of your mouth comes loud, angry words. Why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Now, here's what's interesting. If you begin yelling and screaming angry words, that yelling and that screaming actually works you up even more. In other words, you get angrier and angrier and angrier. And that's what Jesus was telling us. If we don't watch it, the words that come out of her mouth can actually magnify and intensify what's already inside of me, and I've seen it happen time and time again. I've literally watched people work themselves up by talking. Now I'm going to use myself as an example. I watch Fox News. And the reason I watch Fox News is because ABC, CBS, and NBC are not true news stations. They're not. They are a source of propaganda for the liberal agenda. That's not an opinion. That's a fact. I'm just teasing you. Do you know where I stand on that? Well, if you don't agree with me, that's okay. You drank the Kool-Aid. But anyways, I get to watching Fox. And I realize that our country is heading down a horrible path. I realize that we're making policies that are totally contrary with the word of God. I see these liberals on and they're being interviewed and the things they are saying contradicts exactly what God told us to do. I see the judgment of God coming upon us. And so when I'm listening to this, before I know it, I start talking to the TV. I start yelling at the TV. And Lisa walks in and she takes the remote and she turns it off. And she says, you need to quit watching that. And sometimes she says, quit yelling at the TV. Because she understands that as I begin to yell at the TV, I start working myself up. I start magnifying and intensifying these passionate feelings that I already have inside of me. Does that make sense? Now, I know this principle. I know the principle that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Because I feel this way, I say these words. But I also know the principle that Jesus said. It's not what goes into me. It's not what I eat that defiles me. But it's what comes out of the heart. What's those words that are coming out, they defile me. And what he was saying is that this this two-way street, that I speak out of the abundance of my heart, but these words that I'm speaking have the tendency to magnify and intensify these feelings that's already inside of me that aren't godly. And so I know how to call myself down. I call myself down by shutting up. I realize that by speaking to the TV and then eventually yelling at the TV, all I'm doing is working myself up until I'm very, very ungodly, and I'm defiling myself, and now, because of God, I want them all to go to hell! Now can you see? Now, that's a joke, people. You can laugh. I don't want anyone. No one would ever wish that. But can you see how you intensify and all of a sudden, this passion that's within me because of the words that I'm speaking, I've so worked myself up that I've defiled myself. I've become ungodly. Does that make sense? Now, because I know how to stop it, I, I, I know. Oh, okay, Alan. Can you shut up? And if you can't listen to this program without yelling at the TV, then you need to turn it off. So... Don't turn it off, honey. I can shut up. I'm not going to magnify and intensify these feelings inside of me and defile myself, make it, make myself ungodly by what I'm saying. So I know how to quit. I quit by talking about it. But I see this happen to other people. They come into my office and maybe they've been hurt by someone or something's happened and they're angry and they sit down. So they begin to tell me about it. And before long, boys, they're talking about they're getting angry and angry, And I see them reliving this thing. And now, boy, I'm telling you, they're just ready to go whoop someone. And I realize, that. I, I, wait, wait, wait just a second, just, 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 I want you to take a few deep breaths. You need to quit talking. I actually tell them that. You need to quit talking. Why? Because they're working themselves up by what's coming out of their mouth. It's defiling them. And I realize that if I can't stop the ranting and raving, they're going to explode. They're going to leave my office and do something about it. But it's their ranting and raving that is magnifying those feelings that are already inside of them. Now, you think about this. It happens to every one of you. You get angry at someone, so you decide to talk about it, to vent. But before you know it, you're not just venting now. Man, now you're spewing. And the more you talk about it, the angrier you become. Now you're just ready to, well, let me just get on that email, and I'm just going to... Flamed them, didn't you? Oh, yeah. You see, we don't realize that the connection between the heart and the mouth is a two-way street. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, but what comes out of the heart defiles us we can actually defile ourselves by becoming even angrier and magnifying what's inside of us now let's apply this to Eve because this is what happened to her Satan purposely stirred up trouble Eve was curious it's amazing to me that she can eat of the fruit of every one of the trees but guess where her and Adam are are drawn to They're drawn to the tree. Where do you think he's at? He's not at another tree. The serpent is at this tree of knowledge of good and evil. And they're just drawn there. Mmm, mmm, mmm. Oh, yeah. Eve was curious as to why she couldn't eat the fruit from this particular tree. And her curiosity got the better of her and she got a little irritated. Why can't we eat the fruit from this tree. So, what did Satan do? Satan said, let's get her talking. Now, let's be honest. Some of you, you like to stir things up. You got a little bit of the devil in you. So, someone comes over that's mad and you think inside, well, I'll just get them talking about it because it kind of tickles me to see them get all worked up. So, what do you do? You ask a question. You let them talk because you're a good friend. But before long, you realize, ooh, I'm feeling guilty because I really worked them up. But what you did is you let her talk, or you let him talk. See, that's what Satan did. Satan came along and allowed Eve to talk. And Eve was a little bit irritated. Why can't we eat the fruit from this tree? So he gets her talking. And when the irritation that was inside of her came out, and how do we know it came out? She exaggerated she made it seem worse than it really was. God didn't say she couldn't touch it. But boy, now she's exaggerating just like we do when we go home. And we say, you want to know what he did or you want to know what she did? I'm acting like a woman because that's what they do. But anyways, a guy comes in and he goes, "You oh, want to know what I did. <laughs> right? And let's be honest. We never tell the truth. It's always slanted towards ours way of seeing it or our way of doing things so we exaggerate so she exaggerated and what did he do he capitalized uh, capitalized on it you see by her speaking verbalizing what was in her heart to Satan instead of God it magnified what was already inside of her and all Satan had to do was capitalize on it I want you to understand something sometimes things that you think aren't necessarily wrong It's when you act on them in a wrong way that they are. The book of James says that we're drawn away of our own lust. And when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin. In other words, there are certain things that we have or thoughts or desires or passions. Those are just natural. But it's when we act upon those that it came. You see, she was curious about this, and she felt like, well, why can't we? What she should have done is she should have gone to God and said, You know, God, I, I don't understand. Why don't you want us to eat of this tree? What's so big about it? Why can't we eat of every but not this? But no, she didn't do that. She's kind of kept it to herself. She's thought about it. Satan lets her ramble and talk. And before you know it, it comes out. And once it comes out and she exaggerates, guess what takes place? It magnifies what's already inside of her. And now all Satan has to do is capitalize on it. Now he doesn't have to worry about her defending God. So now he can attack God's credibility. He can attack God's character. And he doesn't have to worry that she's going to go, Oh, no! God is not like that at all. No, 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 no. Because now he's on her side. That's why we exaggerate in the first place. Why do we exaggerate in the first place? Why do we make it seem worse than it really is? Because we want them on our side. So when he allowed her to talk, she exaggerated, and all of a sudden Satan goes, Oh, yeah, she thinks I'm on her side. Yep. And he goes in for the kill. So you need to understand that we have to be aware that when we're angry or we're bitter or we're upset or we're ticked off just a little bit, we can actually magnify what we're feeling on the inside of us by ranting and raving. And sometimes just talking about it and exaggerating. And it can cause us to do some pretty stupid things because we worked ourselves up. And I've been guilty of that, and I know you've been guilty of that too. How many of you have really worked yourself up, and you went in and you were ready to confront someone, and when you got there, they were like, well, I'm sorry, I didn't even know you felt that way. And you're thinking, well, I didn't do and say everything I thought about doing and saying. And you go out and you go, I just worked myself all up for that. Anyone ever done that? Oh, yeah. So we need to watch what's in our heart, and we need to deal with those things. Not only that, we need to watch our words so that we don't feed those feelings that are inside of us that don't need to be fed. Did you hear what I said? Sometimes we know we're having a problem with that person. We don't need to roast them. Because if we roast them, we're feeding those antagonistic feelings. We're feeding those ungodly feelings that we have. We need to realize that Satan wants us to do that. You know what Satan's telling you when you want to come in and just vent and spew and do all these things? He's telling us, oh yeah, let it out. Get it all out. You want to cuss? Go ahead and cuss. Man, there's never been a better time like this. If, you ever just, if there's ever a time that justified cussing, now is the time. Go ahead and tell them you're going to whoop their butt. Oh yeah, just get it all out. Buddy, I'm on your side. People, Satan's doing that. Because he wants you to feed. He wants you to magnify those passionate feelings that are inside of you. He wants you to work yourself up so you'll do something stupid. But don't do it. Understand what Jesus was trying to teach us. That the heart and mouth, there is a connection between the heart and mouth. That this connection is a two-way street. What's in the heart will come out In our words, we'll verbalize it. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. But the words that we speak, what comes out of the heart is what defiles us. It magnifies and intensifies that. So don't do it. So what do you do? Well, David told us. We take those feelings that we have and we go to God in prayer. We allow God to help us deal with what's in our heart. You know, things would have been so much better had Eve poured out her feelings to God. If she would have came to God and she would have said, you know, God, I, I don't understand this. I, I'm, I'm really curious about this. Why, why would you do that? And you know, God, I, just being honest with you, you know, boy, it looks good. I want to have some of that. And I'm feeling this way. If she would have allowed God to come in and help her deal with those feelings. But she didn't do that. Instead, she allowed Satan to manipulate her feelings and use them to commit sin. Now, what I want you to remember tonight is that we can work ourselves up with the words that we say. But there is a connection between the heart and the mouth. And it's a two-way street. And the best thing you can do is remember this principle that if you're upset about something... It's okay every once in a while to come in and tell someone but you have to be aware that if you're not careful the words that you're speaking you can start working yourself up to be very ungodly. I can start off with the righteous zeal for God watching Fox News and talking about look where this is taking us it's taking us so far away from the Bible to the point that I'm like yeah, yeah! I defiled myself exactly what Jesus said.